Blog Talk Radio. All right, man, I'm ready. All right, this song's called uh, Wrong Side of the Grass. I wrote it about maybe a week ago. Cool 
Welcome to a special edition of the Indie Cafe. And uh, today we have Ted Reeder with us and my co-host from uh, New York, Spencer Drake. And today we are going to be talking to Ted Reeder and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of the different things that he's working on as far as with his art and uh, some different different projects he's working on. And let me bring Spencer on and let me bring Ted on really quick. And I know that song he said was just recorded. Hey, Ted. Hey, Spencer. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, how are you, Holly? Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, yeah. I want to let everyone know there's there seems to be a little bit of an issue with the studio today. So if um, anyone gets cut off or if anybody um, would like to call in, the number is 347-677-1036. And, again, this is a special edition of the Indie Cafe on Red Velvet Media. Um and I want to introduce Ted really quick because I wanted um, to ask him about that song that we opened up with, and he had a little story about it. And then uh, Spence, uh, you're there, so Ted, yeah, what, hi. tell me about that song. Well, that song was recorded two years ago in Victoria, Texas, as part of this mm-hmm. project that I do called Never Records, and it was uh-huh. recorded live straight to vinyl. You can actually wow. hear in the background of the song, there's like a wind sound, which is a track we recorded onto vinyl and then had the musician, Joe Reyna, spin it at varying speeds to create this spooky kind of wind sound. And because I travel around with this vinyl record lathe, we can do all kinds of cool experimentation with vinyl itself while we're cutting vinyl itself. Yeah, no, it's really, really amazing. And I know Spence, uh, Spence, you're there? Are you there? Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, hoping uh, I didn't lose you. No, no. I, uh, Ted's, um, uh, Ted sent me over, and I think I sent you to Holly, this video he did on Never Records, which uh-huh. really impressed me. And yeah. uh, I, th- I think the format, I want you to tell Ted, the people out there, the format, because it's very different. You're doing, you keep these things private. You're not social media really with it. It's a very incredible type concept with vinyl. Could you tell us about it? Sure. Well, I was inspired by Alan Lomax. For those of you who don't know who Alan Lomax is, he was a song collector uh, in the period of American history when a lot of people were worried about the folk arts dying. So they sent all these song collectors into the wilds to gather up the original bluegrass music and blues music. And Alan Lomax was kind of considered one of the greatest. He helped discover Jelly Roll Morton and Lead Belly and all these people. And I was inspired by not necessarily this idea of collecting songs, but I was inspired by what happens when someone gives someone who may not have had a platform an ear? Because when you give people an ear and truly listen to what they have to say, really magical stuff happens. So since 2010, I've been traveling around the world with a vinyl lathe, and I go to a city and I set up a record shop that's really just a performance space art installation and then oh, I invite cool. anyone who wants to make a record to come in to make a record for free. And I make two copies, wow. one for me and one for them. And uh, I have over 400 recordings from Lisbon to London to Liverpool to Northern Ireland to Texas to New Orleans. And then my most ambitious one, which I'm very excited about, is this August in Amman, Jordan. Mm. Wow, so that's, that's what amazing. I do. How did, you, how did you get started doing this? Well, I've been a musician my whole life, so I have mm-hmm. done the home studio route since I was 14. I'm 45 now. And I've always been in love with music and recording music. And I've also been sort of obsessed with the redemptive possibilities of music. And when I was a mm-hmm. troubled adolescent in Washington, D.C., the music scene completely embraced me for who I was and who my family was and what was going on in my family and provided me with this, you know, secular church in a way of people that didn't judge me, didn't, you know, exclude me for being a misfit. And I became obsessed with this idea of trying to recreate that environment um, 
So, unfortunately, in New York, with the rents being so high, it kind of forces you to choose whether you want to be an artist, a musician, or whatever, and I refused to make the choice. So I invented a project that sort of took the best of visual art and music and combined it all into one thing, so I wouldn't have to give up any of it. Does that make sense? Right. No, it does. Totally. It's amazing. And Spencer, you know, I know he's really involved in the vinyl industry and as well as other things. And, you know, Spencer, why don't you introduce yourself so everybody knows who you are? I'm, I'm I am a renegade album cover designer. Renegade. But I work in, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. My album cover is very pleased to be in there this year with my partner, Judah Salovitz, and we're in a MoMA permanent collection. And also right now, two of my uh, iconic Ramones albums are in a Ramones show on tour now at the Queens Museum till July 31st. So anybody out there, really, if you're in the New York area, really catch this. But it'll be out. Oh, Yeah. It'll be out in the Grammy Museum um, starting September. In L.A. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, in L.A. A smaller show, though. The the one to see is in Queens, really, if you can see that. Otherwise, that's who I am. And um, and this is uh, it was really incredible uh, to have my life with Ted. In fact, I'm going down to the this Gots event tonight at Howell because I designed actually I designed the third album cover called Listen to This Holly. It's called Gottsundheit. That's the title. Oh, the that's God. funny. And, and so I'm it's a beautiful here. cover uh, done by Dennis uh, Cole. But anyway, I'm going to wow. shoot down there after our radio show. Tell us about that, um, Ted. So I am very lucky. I am a director of a gallery on First and Bowery called mm-hmm. Howell Happening, an Arturo Vega project named after Allen Ginsberg and, of course, Arturo Vega, who was a beloved figure in this neighborhood. He was not only the designer of the Ramones logo, but he was a yep. very, very prolific and dynamic artist and a friend of mine. So I'm very lucky I get to work on my friend's legacy. This is a gallery that is was started by the Howell board that did Howell Fest in Tompkins Square Park. And it's run mm-hmm. by Jane Friedman. And the idea is that we're trying to keep the spirit of the East Village alive. So amidst all the gentrification and People leaving because of the high rents were determined to give a platform to the East Village past, present, and future. Tonight, we have a very special film screening in the gallery by a a filmmaker named Jeffrey Wengrofsky, who grew up in the neighborhood. And he's showing a psychedelic film and had some friends who were in The Gods, this legendary 60s psychedelic band. And so he invited them to play. And they're the coolest guys. They just you know, it's not like anybody's getting rich doing this, but they're really excited. And I enlisted the help of a local artist named Adam Alexander, who actually designed the follow-up to the Rubik's Cube, which is called Alexander. Oh, you're kidding. And he is is an amazing artist that has been around in the sort of psychedelic scene since the very first batch, if you know what I mean, Timothy Leary batch. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has given us over 50 fractal gifts, which are these um, amazing, trippy, mathematic patterns. And so we're going to project. We have three projectors. We're going to project over the gods, and it's truly going to be a psychedelic, wonderful event. We, We can't wait. And I can't wait. Oh, well, and, you, and you're going, Spence, right? What time does it start? And where's it at again? It starts at so 7, and it's at Howell mm-hmm. Happening, which is at 6 East 1st Street. So between 1st, uh, I mean, sorry, between Bowery and Extra Place on 1st Street. Right oh, around cool. the corner from so, where CB's was. I wanted to add okay. something. Um, I'm going to tell some of the events that Howell is a very, I call it a very cutting-edge gallery mm-hmm. Um Part of mm-hmm. the commercial word, but it's really true. And some of the shows that have been there are like uh, Lydia Lunch, the famous musician, a visual person, and Marcia Resnick, who Holly and I had on our radio show. And Yeah, that was a great they, interview, by the way. I listened to that. Oh, thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. for us. And, uh, James Romberger. And, uh, and I thought a really exceptional show, uh, which you had there, Patricia Field with her fashion people, and uh, Lex McNeil and uh, mm-hmm. Yakker Awards with Clayton Patterson it goes on and on. But this gallery centers itself on very uh, 
very visionary ideas. That's what drew me to it, Holly. You know, that's what drew me to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and most of, if not all of the credit has to go to Jane Friedman. This is sort of her love letter to the East Village, and she has big plans to open a museum. So this is sort of the first stage, wow. and we want to do an East Village museum because what's happening is oh. a lot of these older artists who were very prolific during the 70s are looking to place their work now that they're sort of thinking about, you know, what's going to happen if something happens to me and this sort of thing. So a lot of the archives are leaving New York and going to these university collections all around the country. And, you know, that would be a shame if you couldn't see some of these artists' work in the East Village where it happened. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I I think a lot of people are getting really freaked out there that now, you know, with all the things happening right now in the world, they're all trying to really create something beautiful, but yet everybody's worried that they're not going to have enough time. I'm hearing that from a lot of people. Have you been hearing that too? People are kind of worried. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I think it's just, the general thing is what is your legacy going to be, you know, and Mm -hmm. who's going to be in control of it. Because a lot of times when people don't plan, there's uh, a lot of stuff can end up in a dumpster if a landlord wants to clear a space, you know, and that's happened a couple of times. And it's a shame Mm -hmm. because um, we could lose a lot of really important influential artwork that way, but that's why we're here. So we're, we're trying to yeah. keep it all here, and um, it's just been a blast, and it's it's just such an honor and a, a great thing to be a part of for me, and I'm learning so much about, you know, the gods. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> the you gods know, I wanted with a to ask... and the gods with an S. <laughs> oh, totally get that. I wanted to ask uh, you really quickly, what are you currently working on besides just being there and um, doing the uh, different projects? What Are you doing anything that uh, we can look forward to, any film or anything? I know that you do. Yeah, so I, I always have something percolating, but um, I just finished mm-hmm. a series of miniature theatrical sets for a fictional opera and the idea oh, is wow. they're like little they're like little dollhouses basically but the idea oh. is that it's the opera without music and that the visuals would conjure the music in the viewer mm. so they're they're very interesting there's I'm really interested in synesthesia so like visualizing sound is a big theme in my work and that's what I do with Never Records. I'll often show the participants their sound waves, the grooves on the record under a microscope. And for like a brief minute, it gets somebody to think about sound in a different way. And I think that that's really important because as we all know, we're, we're operating at this light speed right now and to get people to slow down and to what I call arrest time for a minute is really important because it, it, reminds people of the possibilities, the creative possibilities, instead of just, you know, worrying about the mundane and the banal and the day-to-day that everybody, you know, has, everybody has so many worries with the economy and the political situation and, the, and you know, just struggling to pay your rent in New York. If you could just get someone to slow down and, like, visualize sound for a minute, it really does something magical. So that's kind of what I try to do with my paintings and my sculptures. And um, I just put up a video of a performance project that I've been doing with this musician named Philip Jack, where I bring my guitar and my vinyl record cutter and I record myself playing and then give him a record, which he manipulates. And then I play over that and I record that and give him that record. And we kind of go down the rabbit hole. So we did a big performance a few years ago and I, that video on my Vimeo page and it's pretty fun. That's that's amazing. So that's, You're working on some I've really cool projects. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, I know. I wanted to also to... say that these shows will be on iTunes. I'm sorry, I wanted to get that in there really quick. If you miss if you want to listen to this later it'll be on 
iTunes is a podcast. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, that's great. I will. I'll share it with my never. Yeah, I know. People oh, that's love great. that. How do of, people how do people get into your Never Records? You have a website or okay? Yeah, so there's uh you can go to neverrecords.net and there's a big website and mm-hmm. that's that's a good place to start. Um I do have some podcasts that I've done from the different uh cities and I will be working on a radio series with a station out in Eau Claire, Wisconsin where I will be recording all of the preparation for Jordan, and I'll be wow. giving dispatches from Jordan. Mm. Um, you know, the, the the irony is I'm thinking it's going to be this very exotic Never Records, but I have a feeling it's going to be very a very familiar Never Records because just because it's in the Middle East doesn't mean that it's going to be that different <laughs> from other ones yeah. I've done. I, I had them send me footage for a little trailer I was making to get people excited about Jordan and there was nothing exotic about the the city. It looked like a suburb of New Jersey. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I I emailed them and I said, I need to see some head head scarves or something and they thought that was <laughs> the funniest thing. <laughs> so um yeah that's there'll be a lot more um, we're about to make our first sort of public announcement about a mod, so that's where I'm at. Do you have any YouTube videos up on uh, YouTube? Yeah, there's some YouTube videos up, and um, just with my name, Ted Reederer, R-I-E-D-E-R-E-R, mm-hmm. you can find lots of stuff. And my Vimeo page is Ted Reederer, R-I-E-D-E-R-E-R. Mm-hmm. That's so. amazing. That's cool. Yeah, I was talking there. about this with someone earlier on mm-hmm. the subway um, about how, you know, a lot of people think that with art, if you're not, if it's not your full-time job, that, you know, you're not an artist. And that's a, re- there's a lot of, so much pressure in New York so I think of being an artist as like a mode of life and a way of living. And it, that if you live your life creatively, then it doesn't really matter what or when you do it. So while I've worked a full-time job not making my own art, I've managed to travel all around the world and teach art in Bangladesh and do all these things. Wow. So That's I just think great. that as a way of life, it's it's uh, it's a great way to live. Yep. Oh, that's amazing. Hey, Spencer, I just put something on your page, by the way. Go check yeah. your uh, oh, wow, Facebook cool. page. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted, I wanted to say, Ted, are you on uh, Facebook? Because I had I had a hard time finding you. Um, I don't know. Well, I'll make sure that I am. Yeah, I, 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 was, <laughs> I was trying to find you on Facebook, and I know your website is really beautiful. Um, I was looking at that and uh, – You've got a lot of really cool things up there, and uh, your art, your vinyl, and your pop culture. You know, what I wanted to ask you was, how did you get into vinyl? What what really was the driving force for you to get into vinyl? Well, I would say it started with my big sister, who was a, a vinyl nut. She loved the Rolling Stones and the English Bee and mm-hmm. the Kinks, and, you know, I wanted to be like her. But... um there was a record store in Rockville, Maryland called Yesterday and Today, and it was mm-hmm. an amazing place. I mean, all of us that lived during the vinyl era know that record stores were Google. You know, you would go to the record store and learn about all these things because that was where all the information was sort of centered, like a library. And I remember the first Never Records was in the Tower Records near on 4th and Broadway in New York, and that was the place. If you wanted some obscure Miles Davis record, you would go there, and they would tell you. If they didn't have it, they'd tell you where to get it. So I used to go to this record store like a church, and I was really fortunate because a lot of the famous musicians of Washington, a lot of the guys who were on Discord Records, among others, were the store clerks working there. So they taught me everything, really. And I would go there weekly and buy records and 
bring demos to play them. And I don't know, it was just a wonderful place. So that's how, what really hooked me with vinyl. Cause I saw it as a, uh, instead of like a virtual community, it was an actual community. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's what I'm sort of trying to recreate with the Never Records project. You know, I've seen so much happening with vinyl and I know Spence is working on a project with vinyl as well. And, uh, besides his, um, uh, book on the 45 sleeves, um, I think that, you know, vinyl's really coming back right now. And not only just, you know, the series that was just on HBO, but, um, I'm seeing a lot of people really going and, and it's, it's really amazing. And you can relate to this. A lot of people are doing recordings and they're doing and they're doing releases. And then what they're doing on top of that is the re- releasing a set number of that uh, CD and right. in an, in an LP and a vinyl record, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And they're and they're colorizing it and they're getting creative and you know and stuff like that. And uh, I know Spence can tell us a little bit more about his vinyl, his vinyl. Uh, experiences did you two meet how did you and how ted how did you and spencer meet we met at an event at the gallery Mm -hmm. so the gallery in a way has become uh what i how i describe the record shop (laughs) because we don't just do visual art we do poetry readings and we do affordable housing that's amazing i love that so i'm kind of in the perfect place yeah you are yeah you are you are in a perfect place, and I think I think that's so cool. And so now, where this this uh, thing that you're going to do tonight? Um, how many people are you expecting? How many people can fit into that space that you're in? Well, our official capacity is like three, but we usually cram a bunch of people in. And I'm not sure how many people will be here. I would say hopefully a lot. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's going to be so cool. Marsha Resnick, yeah. show, we, Marsha Resnick show, we crammed about 300 mm-hmm. people in for her opening. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. But it's not, you know, it's definitely not a rock venue, and um, we've asked the band to play unplugged, in quotation marks. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know what that really is going to mean. <laughs> Rules were meant yeah, to be broken, gonna, as we know. <laughs> they're going to bring a big amp in, and they're going to set it up, and they're going to blow the windows out. Um, yeah, hopefully. going to happen tonight. So, make sure you bring your earplugs. Um, it was, you know, it was I, bound to happen. <laughs> Ted, I actually saw you do a lot of traveling. Um, you've, you've done a lot of projects. Um, you know, you've traveled New York to Liverpool to New Orleans and London, um, all that was sponsored by the Tate by Tate Modem, is that the is Tate Modern? Yeah. Mo- Tate, Tate Modern, Modern. excuse me. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, Let's that talk was, about um, that. Yeah. That's through Never Records, and that was a project mm-hmm. that was part of a festival called the Merge Festival, which um, it was a really cool arts festival celebrating the community Bankside, which is mm-hmm. right. Um, on the other side of the Thames from downtown in London, and it's right where the Tate is. So the Tate was a community sponsor, and they had a Jamie Reed exhibition. He was the guy that did the Sex Pistols album covers, and I got yeah. them to bring Arturo over, um, and so Arturo gave a big lecture at the Tate. And then we set up a Never Records on Suffolk Street, which is right across from this um, indoor market called Borough Market, which is a great, you know, place to go if you want to buy flowers or chocolate or sausage pies or whatever. So I had my own high street shop in London, which was amazing. And um, oh, you're kidding! What was yeah, that recorded, like? Did you love it? Some, <laughs> it was great. It was great. I got to record some amazing musicians, uh, some people from Canterbury, this band called Sid Arthur, S-Y-D Arthur. Uh-huh. And they're actually doing really well right now. They just did a tour with Paul Weller. Um, and uh, that was amazing. I got to meet, um, speaking of, of uh, um, 
Paul Weller, I got to meet uh, Mick Talbot, who was his partner in the Style Council. He just happened to walk in the shop one day. It was, it was just super cool. Loved it. So I hope to get back. In another places that I've traveled, I, I'm a part of this East Village artist collective called the Antagonist Movement. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of us. No. But we, used to, host, we used to host a one-night art show at Niagara. Seventh uh, and Avenue A, which we did for 11 years running. I did eight years of that, and we would do a one-night art show where we'd invite whoever wanted to put their art on the walls to come in. That's actually how we met Arturo. And that project, the Antagonist Movement, has traveled to Berlin, to Lisbon, to Ecuador, and this past fall they went. I didn't get to go because of my new job, but they got to go to Australia. So this just idea of a artist collective trying to push each other to literally go places, um, which is just how you do it in New York. You have to, you know, band together with your friends to survive here because it's the demands, the financial demands are so important. And it's what people mm-hmm. have been doing, you know, the entire time from the beats to the Pyramid Lounge to Club 57 to to now in a way. See, I think I think that's really important, you know, that that they get they get that exposure and and it's so neat that you're so well rounded that you have all these different cultures and you can bring that in. Um what were your parents like when you were growing up? Did they know that you always loved music and pop culture type stuff? Yeah, my parents um while they both love classical music, they were oh, awesome. um, incredibly supportive. I couldn't be luckier. Mm-hmm. I mean, I never had I never had that um, problem where they disapproved of art. Um, I've always been lucky. They always supported me, which is great. And you know, they both worked very hard so that I could be an artist and. They love going to art shows. They came to London. They came to New Orleans. I don't Did know. They? I, might, uh, I think my 80, 85-year-old dad wait. wants to go to Jordan, but I don't, know, I don't know if that's going to wow. happen. <laughs> but uh, they just, that's going to be just, a trip. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jordan, of all places, right now with everything going on. I yeah. like when I I I'm I'm afraid to like travel right now. And I I've got some traveling in the future very soon, and um, it's kind of it's kind of freaking me out. But you know, you, you know, you have to live life, and there's a lot of stuff going on. And you're bringing this like out to the world, and being able to be in an art gallery all day. Um, what about? Working in the gallery, I wanted to ask you, what kind of uh, people have you dealt with in the gallery? Do you have any stories to share with any of our listeners? Oh, I can talk about our our new show. We have a really – well, the show that's up right now. Um, yeah, let's talk about week. that. Um, it's mm-hmm. called The Nuclear Family, and it's a group show of a mother what a and a name. father and their son. And Mm -hmm. the mother and father and son, the mother and father came of age during the heyday of the East Village, so late 70s, early 80s, um, and went through all the ups and downs as young artistic people (laughs) that might experience in this this neighborhood during that period, if you know what I mean, wink, wink. Um, And James and Marguerite. Um, ran a gallery called Ground Zero Gallery, which was uh, a proving ground for a lot of artists, including David Wanarovich. So their son, Crosby, grew up in this environment, and we thought it would be this amazing idea for a group show to have the whole family um, do a show. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's really cool because they sort of collaborate um, just naturally, and then for this exhibition, they did some pieces together um, more directly. So James and Marguerite are very well known for their graphic novels. They did a novel called Seven Miles a Second with text by David Wanarovich. James is an amazing artist, and he does the ink drawings. 
And Marguerite is a very talented artist, and she colors the drawings. And she doesn't do it by computer. She does it all by hand. So they're really like paintings. They really stand out from the average graphic novel where the color is sort of added with vector art. Um, These are like little mini paintings. And so in the exhibition, you can see some excerpts, uh, the originals from a couple of the graphic novels they worked on. James and his son, Crosby, actually did their own novel together called Post York, and it has a 45, like, floppy disk of Crosby's music in the back. Um, Crosby and Marguerite collaborated on this really funny series of Molotov cocktails from the French Revolution. So they're like stoneware bottles with um, that, that blue glaze on them with Hermé scarves coming out of them. They're really funny. Wow. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the whole gallery is full of this family, and it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. I, I haven't seen that many group shows of a family. Mm-hmm. Have you gone? Have you seen that show, Spence? Have you gone down no, there yet? No, not at all. I watched now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're coming so down tonight, really right? Interesting. Oh yeah, you know that. Oh my God, tonight's like our, electric. <laughs> our our next show, I think, is going to be a blockbuster. It's uh, mm-hmm. curated by um, Dan Cameron, who used to be the director of the New Museum, and it's an examination of two icons of New York. Uh, Jackie Curtis and Ethel Eichelberger. Oh, wow. So we'll have something like seven videos playing. We have photographs by Peter Hujar and Jack Mitchell. Billy Sullivan, the artist, is going to do a little installation. It's kind of a big show for us, and we're really thrilled to be able to present it. A lot of the original performers that perform with Jackie and Ethel will be doing performance throughout the month. And we'll have film screenings. We're screening Superstar in a House Dress, which is the documentary about Jackie Curtis. We actually have Paul Serrato, who was one of the early collaborators with Jackie Curtis, uh, coming to play a gig here. So it's just going to be a really wonderful month um, activating the neighborhood again. Mm, Great. That makes sense. Yep. Did you have any questions, um, Spence, that you wanted to ask? Um, Ted, well, because I know that I think, Chitty, maybe, yeah. Have you done the artwork you've done, um, Ted? You've done. Have you been in? I think you've been in some shows, right, with your artwork. Yeah, I've been really lucky. I've shown at some pretty big galleries. Um, I got to be in a show at PS One. I've shown in a gallery in Berlin. I've traveled around the U.S with a couple of university shows. I mean, obviously every artist would like more and more exhibitions, but I've been very fortunate. Um, And, you know, I have a lot of new work in my studio right now that I'm trying to get shown. So I'm looking forward to um, showing the opera models and a bunch of paintings that I've just finished. But um, yeah, it's, it's fun. I'm having fun. (laughs) (laughs) And if I keep telling myself that, I'll actually believe it. No, I'm just kidding. No, you're no, really I'm there. sure. How did you How did you start working there at the gallery? Mm, yeah. Um, I was I was very fortunate to have met Jane Friedman through Arturo Vega. We're mutual friends, and um, when she told me she was doing this as a tribute to Arturo, I said I would quit my job and help her. Mm. Wow. Oh, wow. Because Arturo, so, Arturo was this amazing guy. That's what I want to ask you about Arturo, yeah. Let's talk about yeah. him a little bit. He was this yeah. amazing guy who was a was a member of our artist collective, and he loved mm-hmm. art. And um, since the Ramones had kind of all passed away, he had rededicated himself to his own art and enlisted all of us, all of us youngsters, to help him. So I really got to work with him um, the past nine, the last nine years of his life. And he would come, he, you know, he came to London and silk screened a t-shirt of his own design in my never records installation in London um, for free, which was amazing. There was a line out the door of Arturo fans. Um, And he would have these infamous 
dinners at the loft, the loft where the Ramones met, and you would go, and there would be people of every age talking and, you know, hatching plans to be creative together. And so he was a big, big part of uh, my community in the East Village, uh, uh, encouraging art. And he bought paintings when I was poor. He fed me when I was hungry. And he counseled me Aww. on girls. And I counseled him on his relationships. And he was just a really wonderful guy. So um, a lot of times when people pass, we don't get the chance to shape their legacy. So for me, this is like a dream because yeah. um, I'm I'm really trying to show the world that what a what a dynamic artist he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know that we talked a lot about him on our Ramon show, um, and Spencer um, brought a lot up about him and the logo because wasn't he the one that created the Ramon's logo? Yeah, he did originally. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about that. Have you seen the uh, Ramon's exhibit yet at the Queens Museum? Yeah, actually. Howell loaned a couple of pieces, um, one by an artist uh, named Bradley Castellanos that Arturo commissioned to do a a painting of uh, Joey Ramone Place. And then we also loaned the Richard Hamilton um, interpretation of the first cover. Mm -hmm. And then I actually helped Mark get the Yoshitomo Nara piece, which is the very first oh, really? thing you see in the oh, show. Oh, you're and kidding. That's, that's kind of a funny story. I used to work at a gallery that showed Nara, and uh-huh. I would make everybody come to the Niagara, where we had these art one-night art shows every week, and I would mm-hmm. proceed to get the artists and their installation crews drunk. <laughs> so we got Nara, Nara and team over there and um, got them really drunk and they started drawing on the walls which you can see to this day um, Japan's number one or number two depending on who you are contemporary artist has decorated the walls of Niagara Bar um, and then I kicked them out into the night armed with markers <laughs> and they got arrested <laughs> tagging the subway <laughs> Um, and almost didn't make the show, which was a oh, big, wow. big problem for me. Oh, but uh, God. Um, while Nara got out of jail, he was in the tombs. He got out of jail, and we finished installing the show like three hours before it opened. <laughs> and a collector brought him a Ramones T-shirt, a vintage one, because um, wow. Nara has a character that he works with named Ramona, which is this you know, little Japanese girl that he appears in a lot of his work named after the Ramones. And so I said, do you want to meet the guy that made that shirt? And he his eyes lit up. And so, excuse me, Arturo came down and met Nara and Nara went to the loft and Arturo loaded him up with um, merch and swag. And uh, Nara was very, very happy. And I redeemed myself from uh, him getting arrested. <laughs> But, uh, oh wow! So uh, Mark w- was sitting in in Hal one day and said, uh, "Do you know any artists that use the Ramones?" And I was like, "Well, let's let's email Nara." And Nara loved Arturo so much that um, mm-hmm. he just said, "Yeah, just tell me when and where." So he made that big, beautiful billboard for the show. Yeah, it's That's Holly. Amazing. When you when you go into mm-hmm. the show, you'll see it. Uh, right, Ted. You'll see it immediately before you walk into the show. Actually, it's like, yeah. it's in a perfect place in the beginning, like outside. But and then you go into the show. It's a beautiful piece, and um, it's a great story. Great story. Yeah, and I would I would say that's another testament to what a great guy Arturo was, because Nara was immediately, you know, enamored with him, and would, you know, I he probably do another painting if I asked in the name of Arturo. Yeah, that's just how no. that's just how great Arturo was. I mean, you got to understand that that loft is on the map for punk rock fans, and oftentimes I'd be at the loft and the doorbell <laughs> would ring and it would be some fan, mm-hmm. and Arturo right. would take stop what he was doing, invite them up to the loft, and oh, give them great. the give them the royal treatment. I mean, he loved wow. the Ramones, he loved that band, and he loved that part of his life. 
and he was uh, always celebrating them. You know, it was really wonderful to witness. I mean, for, for people who don't know out there, the Ramones actually stayed in his loft, right? Uh, yeah, they lived they lived there at one point, and they actually met there. Dee Dee was dating a girl that lived upstairs, and he heard music oh. from the loft. He heard music from the loft one day, and walked in and saw um, Arturo painting. And then he got <clears throat> Tommy to come down to meet Arturo, and they started talking about Arturo doing some art for them. So that's how it all started at the loft. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's another little bit of trivia that we have, Spence. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, really. You know? Cool. Yeah. So, um, I um, what time? What it's going to start at eight o'clock? You said tonight. Seven o'clock. Yeah, I actually have seven, to get seven going o'clock. soon to help set up. No, no, no. I know. <laughs> I wanted to say thank you, and I wanted to ask you also about the song that we're ending with today. Do you want oh, to talk about that song? That's great timing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which song did I give you? Can you tell me? <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> techno, techno peasant, techno peasant. Oh, this is a great. This is great. It's I a great song. song. Okay, this it's a is great a guy. Song. This is a guy named uh-huh. Connor O'Kane, who's from Donegal, uh-huh. which is the northwest part of uh, Ireland. Um. He is a horticulturalist, so he Beautiful song. Um, teaches people mm-hmm. how to grow plants, and he makes his own wine. Every Never Records, since his Never Records, he's brought me a bottle of elderflower wine or dandelion wine. Ooh, nice. And he, he will be going to Jordan, so I got a guy from Northern Ireland that's coming to Jordan. And this is a beautiful song called the Bucholin Bui. It's almost impossible to pronounce to a non-Irish speaker. And it's about this moth called the buchel, that uh, eats this poisonous flower, the buchelin bui. And he's just a br- brilliant lyricist, so that's why I included this song. This yeah, particular no, the, song, the song's beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's a really beautiful song. And I mm-hmm. recorded this in New Orleans, and he came really? to New Orleans. Yeah, so it was great. Oh, nice. Never Records is like the Grateful Dead. People travel with it. So I'm. Yeah, see, that's cool. Yes, so fun. So I have this Never Records family. It's amazing. And you have a website. You have Never Records. I believe it's NeverRecords.com, and then also Ted. Yeah, Never. um, Never Records.net. Net. Mm Mhm. Okay. Yeah. And then also your website, and it goes to the same. And then, like I said, it's such a beautiful website. I went there, and it was just so cool. So well, thank you so much really for letting me talk about my work and uh, celebrate oh, Arturo and the gallery. Thanks. No, and and Spence will be down there soon. And uh, yeah. I wanted to <laughs> say to everyone, yeah, it's Friday, um, everyone. Uh, please do not drink and drive. I always have to say, I, I well, I don't always have to say it, but I do want to say that um, because uh, you know it's Friday and uh, just you know have a good weekend. It's uh, you know I don't know what it's doing everywhere else in the world, but it's really freaky weather. We're everywhere, um, but I know that you're having some nice weather in New York right now. Yeah, it's getting there. A little okay. overcast today. Cool. But. Well, go go set up your go set up your show, and with that, right. we're going to end Cheers. the show. And Spencer, thank you so much for being here today, and thank you for bringing Ted to the show. And um, again, this show will be available if you missed the beginning of it afterwards on um, Red Velvet Media under the Indie Cafe. And uh, I want to thank Ted for calling in, and also for Spencer um, being here today and uh, co-hosting the show with me. Thank you very Thank much, you Holly, so much. as usual. Thank right, you. Guys. Thank you, Holly. All right. Love All right. you guys. See you, Ted. Have a really good weekend. Bye. And listen to this song, guys. It's really beautiful. It really is. It's a really pretty song. Thank you. Cool. Connor O'Kane. Excellent. Yep. Sundance Bray By the ATM She stood out Like a sweet ass man 
place as old as the rocky hills, young and clear as heather and bells. Though we both alike, now was her when time to walk and talk again. Past the ghost estate and the off the plant, we found a virgin patch of land. You told me how you felt these days about the crazy winding haze, the time of change. You drag me through Out a double bubble Special brew Like the cinnabar moth Loves the boohle and weed If you lose first time Make it best of three Like the run and fox Loves the chase and hound If you lose the pack, you might find your ground. And we kissed goodbye when I drove you back to your wee white car. The job you hit That you're going to quit That she chased the piece Of a life that fits Like the cinnabar moth Loves a bull and we If you lose first time Make it best of three Like the running fox Loves a chasing hound If you lose the pack You might find your ground